Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Gardener by Sophie Drenogel. Hmm, interesting. Tall, strong build, loves the outdoors. We plan to meet at Central Station. He towered above the throng from the 1240 train. Oh dear, a man bag. Its strap laying diagonally across a feral waistcoat buttoned over a paunch. Not quite the landscape gardener in tight jeans driving an animal truck. We lunch. I independently insist upon going Dutch. He's chatty, speaks of a regular customer, a lady whom he often weeds for, whilst sitting. So, shall we meet again? Tilting my head, I apologise, later offering his train fare home. He accepts.
My Soundscape by Ian Hornet. I close my eyes. I hear things around me. The whine, whir, rumble of the road sweeper. I imagine it dodging between the cars. The clang, cling, creak of the aerial. I imagine the wind rattling through the rooftop. The click, whoosh, roar of the boiler. I imagine it awakening, obeying its thermostatic master. The chat, chit, chatter of children. I imagine them skipping and smiling. The clink, clank, clunk of the washing machine. I imagine it swirling, cleansing the dirt away. The zing, hiss, whiz of tinnitus. I imagine I've got superpowers and can hear dog whistles in Sydney. Radio here on 106.6 FM, and this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions, featuring short stories written especially and exclusively for the show by friends of Colm Radio. Grandma by Gladys Hornet. Grandma's here! Hooray! Hugs and treats. 
During her stay, she would share my bed, and at night, I would listen to her gentle snoring. By day, Grandma and Mum would catch up on news of the family. For us, there were cuddles, or a wink and smile if our parents were cross with us. But dinner time we enjoyed the most. Our eyes grew wide as Grandma carefully poured her Guinness, then, with trembling hand, raised the creamy foam liquid and took her first sip before smacking her lips. To us, it looked the most delicious drink ever invented. I've been living in a dream that I can't wake up from Swimming upstream, I can't get to the sea Where the fish swim free I'm Staring at a screen that I don't get much from Staring so long, can't see the wood from the trees Or the birds from the bees And half of the time well it flies right by Like childhood did in the blink of an eye Half of the time, well, it goes so slow I sit outside and watch the grass grow Well, I've been running on a treadmill Legs like lead, will there ever be a needle For this thread I've been weaving Since I was born and the papers read and the government said I should stay in bed Stop the virus spread, I won't be leaving For so long Some nights I feel okay I close my eyes and I drift away Some nights I just lay and stare at the ceiling Like it's gonna go somewhere I'm Swimming upstream Swimming upstream Oh, and I keep swimming but I go nowhere It's all the same when I come up for air And I just can't get there Swimming upstream Swimming upstream Swimming upstream Primal Instincts by Phil Boast To this day, she had no idea why she did it. From which deep primeval part of her female self had come the moment of spontaneity, for certainly she hadn't planned it. Sure, she'd just broken up with Rod, but it was no big deal. She wasn't angry or even particularly upset. But still, the desire and resentment, the yearning and the wish not to yearn had met in one place, and she had walked from the counter with her lemon juice, poured it over the head of the first and nearest male, and walked calmly out of the cafe. Good idea 
slammer and a screamer, professor and explainer, a dog instructing dogs. I want him to stop drinking. I want him to make the bed. I want him to pay attention. Unlucky in love, I said Unlucky in love, I said As one and another turned and walked Screamed or banged a few times Screamed or banged a few times Then it stopped This is Bill's Big Bag of Onions, with its special soundscape of gorgeous music and unique short stories written solely by our community, here on 106.6 FM, Colm Radio. Romeo and Juliet by Natalie Eldred. He shouldn't have bought it from the pet shop, but those eyes. The damn thing had whined all night and shat on the living room carpet. His girlfriend decided she'd rather have a cat. He left the dog in a lay-by tied in a sack. It was night and very cold. He was certain it wouldn't suffer long. An hour later, the lay-by was lit up with a sweep of headlights from Juliet's HGV. The freezing bundle she found there looked up at her with chocolate-button, still-alive eyes. She warmed him in her jacket. I'm going to call you Romeo, she said.
Good Things Come in Small Packages by Tony Pierce. Every day a parcel arrived for the lady at number six. The neighbours began to gossip. Mr. Smith thought the parcels contained vitamins, as they were small and she was rather fit. Mrs. Jackson thought she fancied the postman, and we'd better not mention what Mr. Peters thought. Eventually deliveries ceased, and collections were made. I bet her husband told her off for maxing out the credit cards, thought Mrs. Kemp. It was only when the police came to call that they realised it was her husband who was being returned in small packages marked No Longer Known at This Address. Keep you right here where the line is on my fingers on the surface. Keep you right here. Stand and Deliver by Bill Lawrence From sunrise, like magnificent worker ants, the white vans appear. With engines running, their drivers seize the package chosen by QR code and place them determinedly on doorsteps. Masks adjusted, photos taken, and with sat-naps consulted, the drivers soon pull away, tracked by never-ending schedules. Vehicles with overbright decals of tempting foods deliver plastic crates of groceries. 
the Holy Trinity of Delivery concludes as tea time cyclists, lugging oversized strong boxes of cooked food, rattle doors, check mobile phones, and take further instruction. The perpetual motion of online commerce. Worker ants with an internet connection. Where would we be without them? spoken word with remarkable stories written by our remarkable listeners here in our community on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Go on, smell my onions. Sick Among the Sikhs by Rob Lewis. The Golden Temple in Amritsar is splendid. Surrounded by wedding cake white buildings, there is a lake crossed by a causeway to the actual Golden Heart, the hub of the Sikh religion. Visiting for their most sacred festival, I slept within the temple compound. They fed us lentils and rice, simple but satisfying. Next day was the day, the birthday of Guru Nanak, and a million souls crossed that causeway.
Just as I was approaching the inner sanctum, my innards exploded. Deli belly. Luckily, some friendly guys noticed and led me against the multitudes to the ablutions. What a relief. What a momentous day! The dawning of a new age, 29th of March 2021. Let us give thanks by marking this day each year with joyous celebration. Dancing in the streets, song and laughter on our lips. We can meet friends for coffee and socially distanced elbow bumps. We can enjoy the great outdoors with members of our family, who will have aged dramatically since last we met. Run up the flags. Let there be praise to whomever God rocks your boat. But not just yet, eh? I'm pulling the covers over my head. Let's enjoy the peace a little longer. This is the dawning of the age.
Town Hall Meetings by Steve Gow. I stayed in Mother's attic room, woken by a blast of sunshine and the patter of crow's feet as they gathered for their morning town hall on ancient slate tiles. Later, and with high anxiety, I cleaned out the gutters as promised. A crow landed on the flat roof between the two attics and stared curiously, alternating with each of those black, glassy eyes. I lifted the trowel from the gutter. Something filthy but mesmerizing, something old, gold and encrusted with diamonds, something stolen by a crow and brought to a town hall meeting in the morning sunshine, generations ago. Listening to 100 Word Onions, written exclusively for Colm Radio by Sophie Drenoble, Ian Hornet, Gladys Hornet, Phil Boast, Natalie Eldred, Tony Pierce, Bill Lawrence, Rob Lewis, Pat Bloss, and Steve Gow. And so that's all we have time for for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Colm Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Guppy Productions present 
From Colchester to Sulawesi. Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 21. A Place of Magic. It's Alison's birthday, and to mark the day, we decide to take a dive boat to Banker Island, which together with Ganga, forms a brace of islands about a two-hour boat ride away. The islands are outside the marine park, and aside from some traditional villages, are not much developed. We set off quite early in the morning, and at the end of the hotel jetty, several of the dive guides have assembled for the day's work, and we tell them that it's Alison's special day. Just then, she gets a telephone call from her son, Tim, who's in the pub in Croydon with some of his mates, it being the late evening in England. Amazingly, Alison is treated to a hearty rendition of Happy Birthday to You, sung in perfect synchronisation from a few feet away by a group of young Indonesian men and from the other side of the world by a bunch of presumably quite drunk English lads, which is a whole different way of doing it. The boat departs, and just outside the harbour, we pass by the lodge, which I have to say looks magnificent, with the mangroves to the fore and against the backdrop of the forest. The rest of the village is invisible from the sea, and the dive guides that have come with us point out Mr Phil's house, as they always do when they pass it. I suppose it's no surprise, really. Nobody else has done anything like this around here, and Mr Phil's house has some infamy. The boat trip is lovely, with the beautiful islands on one side and the equally beautiful mainland coast on the other. And we spend a very pleasant day on the deserted beach, swimming and snorkelling in the clear blue waters. Phil goes diving off the reef, we eat a picnic lunch and return in the late afternoon. And this will be a birthday which Alison will certainly remember. We'll all be going back to England in a few days, but Alison in particular has quite fallen in love with Bohowo, the people and the place itself. And she'll be back, we're sure. In the evening we sit under the mango tree, where we spend a lot of our evenings, listening to tales of the village, and on this evening, Newman regales us with the story of a particular football match, in which he and three of his brothers, Prama, Raymond and Tom, were playing. They were playing against a team from Siladen Island, who had brought two boats over for the day, and were about 30 in number. Throughout the game, Prama, who was in goal, came in for a certain amount of abuse from the opposition, although his goalkeeping must have been okay because Bahoa won the game 1-0. Anyway, after the game, the boy's father decided that the Saladin team had been out of order and told his four sons to sort them out. Raymond shouted some provocative words and a fist fight ensued, in which the four brothers were hugely outnumbered but they can all fight, and during the fracas, Prama knocked someone out. The fight was stopped, and the unconscious man was taken to hospital, where there was some speculation that he might actually not regain consciousness. A meeting of the six brothers was rapidly convened by the father, who had to decide which of his sons would take the rap if the guy died. Augustus is Kaka the oldest brother, who's a teacher with a family, and he's a gentle soul anyway, so he's out of the frame. Next is Prama, who's a notorious gangster in the Monado Docklands, but he also has family. Then comes Samuel, who is a simple soul with no job or family, and Raymond is next, who drives one of the hundreds of blue minibuses which ferry the townspeople to, from and around Monado City, and is married with a daughter. Then there's Nyoman, who by now has Melda and Einstein, and Tom is the youngest. Tom is a policeman who is also married. So Papa deems that since he has no familial or other responsibilities, Samuel will have to take the rap for this one, and probably go to prison for a long time, despite the fact that he wasn't actually there on the day and had nothing to do with it. It's a fair cop, and if the police get involved, they won't trouble with such minor details as getting the right person, as long as someone confesses. In the event, the Saladin man did wake up, and a week later was released from hospital having made a full recovery, so Samwell's noble and self-sacrificial gesture was not needed. Not that he had much say in the matter. Subsequently, the people from Saladin came to see Papa and apologised for their provocative behaviour. 
He is, after all, a healer and white witch doctor who has treated many people from Saladin in the past, and they wish him to continue his good work, so all part in friendship, and the matter is consigned to history. I am left to wonder how such mild-natured and good-tempered people seem to resort to physical violence on such a regular basis. But boys will be boys, I suppose, and football is football wherever one is in the world. What the Saladin people did not know is that prior to the fight, Papa had put a protection spell on his sons so that they could not be hurt, which in a fight situation could definitely give you the edge. I don't very much like snakes. I'm okay with spiders and crawling things, but snakes I can live without. And there are a lot of snakes around here. We're surrounded by forests and plantations, and quite often the farmers find huge pythons curled up amongst the banana trees or in the rice paddies, which they kill and take to the markets in Tomaholm. The largest snake ever officially recorded was found here at just under 10 metres long. We don't eat snake on the coast, but the Highland people eat everything that moves and slithers upon the earth. And they definitely eat snakes, which apparently taste like chicken. We sometimes get cobras in the village, in which case the shout goes up and the village people will take care of that. And we've seen tree snakes in the lodge grounds, which are small and harmless, but they're still snakes. Phil tells me not to worry about them and assures me that there are far more biting and stinging things underwater than there are on land. He quite often sees sharks, for example, but these are reef sharks, which are sometimes inquisitive but harmless. And banded sea snakes, which are common here, are about the most venomous snakes in the world. But they don't bite people, so he says. He once had one which got entangled with his dive gear and spent some of the dive with him, but he believes what it says in the books and was not concerned. He then lists other perils of the deep like stonefish, scorpionfish and lionfish, all of which can give a nasty sting. But it's the corals that he really has to watch. He doesn't dive in a full wetsuit. The water is warm enough not to warrant one. So it's a shorty, 
with no arm or leg coverings, or sometimes just swimming trunks and a T-shirt if he forgets his wetsuit. And he has, on more than one occasion, brushed against beautiful fan corals, which look lovely waving around in the currents, but they pack a nasty punch, and coral burns can take weeks to heal, as Phil will testify. He lives his life underwater much as he does on dry land. He forgets things and gets away with it. He's been known to jump in without weights and find a small rock to carry around with him instead to keep him underwater. His philosophy being that as long as he has a mask and fins and something to breathe, everything else will take care of itself. And so far, he's always made it back to the surface. So I'm not worried, really. And I'm learning to live with the snakes. There aren't many witch doctors around, and magic spells, be they good or bad, are the preserve of the few. Mahawu Volcano in the Highlands is known to be a particularly spiritual place, and thus a good place to practice the subtle and mysterious art of magic. We have been told of a recent case where 11 young men went there for this very purpose, one of whom volunteered to have a protection spell put upon him. This done, the other ten stabbed him with machetes and killed him. This left the ten with the embarrassing problem of having a dead body on their hands, and in this case the police were informed, and the ten were taken in for questioning, which must have been some interesting questions. This was also the most people that the police had ever held pending potential murder charges. But as it transpired, nobody was charged with anything, and all were released, since in the end, the police concluded that nobody actually meant to kill anyone. And nobody could be certain who dealt the lethal blow. Perhaps they used the wrong incantation, or perhaps the magic just wasn't strong enough. But anyway, a lesson had been learned. Best not mess with the magic unless you're sure you know what you're doing and never be the one to volunteer. Motherland, cradle me Close my eyes, lullaby me to sleep Keep me safe, lie with me Stay beside me, don't go Don't you go Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 